It's Ben Willis on Hannah Radio 9297 and 106, the home of the greatest hits of all time. And right now, I am so honored to be joined via the phone in the Hannah Studios uh, by arguably one of the biggest names in recording and even entertainment in the 20th century, a 70-year career in music, television, and film. Pat Boone, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this afternoon. Well, <laughs> I'm glad to, to get with you. And I, as you say what you've just said, I keep thinking about the amazing, amazing stats of having been recording for 70 years and having hits along the way in, uh, in seven different uh, decades. And, and now to have three more hits right now uh, at 89 and doing fine. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> really astonishing. I've recorded more songs, separate songs, than any artist in history. Uh, Frank Sinatra did 1,500, Bing Crosby 2,000. Mm. And I've recorded 2,600 and counting three in the last year. Mm. But the irony is that while I'm still recording, making records, Nobody's buying records. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying records. They're one of my favorite things to collect, actually. Well, yes, I am. And, and the heartening thing is that uh, they, they've told me that some manufacturers are remanufacturing, going back into manufacture of turntables mm -hmm. so that people can play 45s and 33 and a third on with needles on their own turntables, and they'll have new turntables. Mm-hmm. And we're, our album is vinyl, really precious, uh, the best vinyl ever, and a beautiful package. And, of course, all the songs in this um, uh, country jubilee are also on a CD because there's still people, millions, who have CD players. Yep. And they would prefer, you know, in their cars and even at home somewhere to have to be able to stick that CD into a player and play it or put it on the turntable and not have to learn a whole new tech uh, life <laughs> to, to get the songs they want to hear. Absolutely. absolutely. It's just amazing how you know, things come back around again. But let's go back, actually, to the beginning. Just wanted to touch on this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get into the mindset of what it may have been like for you. Know, <laughs> for you as, a, as someone in the late teens looking at going into college, yeah. and suddenly here's an opportunity to walk into a studio and lay down a recording, what kind of made you make that pivotal turn into... That's a great, great question, because I had given up the idea at 18 or 19 of, uh, of a, a career in music, because I was, although I was in Music City, USA, Nashville, and I had won the Ted Mac Amateur Hour nationally three times, and uh, the Arthur Godfrey Talent Scout show once, uh, no contracts were offered, and nothing much seemed to come of it. And so I married Red Foley's daughter at 19 because he was moving to Springfield, Missouri to start the Ozark Jubilee. Mm. And I couldn't stand to let Shirley go, and she didn't want to go. So uh, we married. We, we eloped and married at 19. And I thought, well, now I'm going to have to think about doing something. I can try to stay in school, but I'm going to be a teacher, a preacher teacher. Mm. I'd given up the idea of becoming a singer, but having won those contests, um, the head of an aggressive little company called Dot in Gallatin, Tennessee, Randy Wood, 
called me out in uh, Denton, Texas, where I'm in school in college. I saw you on those TV shows. You want to make a record? Well, of course, I liked the idea of making a record. He, he sent me a ticket to Chicago, and I recorded an R&B song, already a hit on the Dutone label, R&B, which was called Race Music by the Charms. One heart's not enough, baby. Two hearts will make you feel crazy. One kiss will make you feel so nice. Two kisses take you to paradise. Two hearts, two kisses make one love. And that song, which I was really having to learn how to do, it was recorded by a group, and I was a solo singer <laughs> with some background singers, but we made a record that became a million seller in March of 55. In May of 55, we had to do another song at least, and we recorded, You Made Me Cry When You Said Goodbye, Ain't That a Shame, That's Domino. Mm-hmm. And from then on, for, for four and a half years, I was never off the single chart, not one week. Wow. It's a record I hold in the record business. Uh, every week was at least one, sometimes two records, one going down, the other coming up. And um, and I think the closest anybody ever came to that was Elton John, about 150 weeks on the charts without ever a break. But that's a record I hold, and also another record of 2,600 songs, mm. more than Frank Sinatra or Bing Crosby, uh, 2,600 songs and three in the last year. So it, I, I just went through doors that opened to me. Mm. God opened doors. I knew that he was giving me a platform to be that teacher preacher that I had purposed to be, trying to help young people find their way in life. And now I've become a teen idol. And I, my first book was called Twix 12 and 20, written while I was still in college, a book of moral advice for teens. Twix 12 and 20, and it was the number one non-bestseller for two years. Um, actually competed with only by Norman Vincent Peale's Power of Positive Thinking and Art Linkletter's Kids Say the Darndest Things. But my book written while I was still in college for teens of moral advice uh, was the number one bestseller for two years, went into many languages. And I'm saying to you as I say this, that doors opened God honored the, the, the earnest prayer of a young kid who wanted my life to be useful for his purposes. Well, it turned out his purposes coincided with a lot of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Very convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and to your credit, you, you did finish college, you know, and I'm sure that wasn't an easy thing to do in the middle of a recording career. It, it, was, it was magna cum laude. I was yeah. going for a Phi Beta Kappa Gay. I will confess this. I, I can't take any credit for having inherited a what they call a genius IQ, 170 or so, because I didn't have anything to do with it. But I was just given a quick and retentive mind so that I could get three or four hours, five hours sleep recording and doing TV shows and and then go to class at Columbia University and and uh, and one of my classes I cheated a little bit I wasn't cheating but but uh, I took a shortcut one of my classes was chamber music on Saturday mornings hmm. listening to classical music and being able to identify uh, some of it when I heard it well my teacher in that class was first violinist on my orchestra on the Pat Boone Chevy show. And so uh, uh, he signed my report card and I signed his check. Uh, 
And so I made straight A's in chamber music. <laughs> but I also had to study and make good grades by teachers, really. In some cases, I felt were daring me as a singer already, an entertainer, and becoming widely known while I'm still in college. They were daring me to try to cut corners in their class. I had to make straight A's, or I was not, I mean, I had to actually do the work. And I did. But I did it by you know, being excited about that schoolwork as I was about my singing. Absolutely. Wow. And, of course, the, the 60s rolled on, and you got into a little bit of a different artistic outlet, television and film, which, I, you know, I got to say, one of my favorite movies growing up, in fact, was Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, yeah. I oh, love yeah. that film. And I turned it down at first. It was, uh, it was science fiction. I was a Bing Crosby fan, and though I was a teen idol singing rock and roll, in the movies, I wanted to be like a young Bing Crosby mm. and, you know, romance and good music and, you know, that kind of thing. And now they want me to do this Jules Verne story. And they said, well, we'll put some songs in there. You'll sing. Yeah, but it's still science fiction. Well, to entice me and my manager, they did something they'd only done once for William Holden in a film called Bridge on the River Kwai. They gave him a small piece of the film uh, after a certain if it if it grossed up to a certain price certain figure he would get a, a portion of the proceeds from then on so to entice me and my management into doing Journey to the Center of the Earth which I love doing by the way with Diane Baker my first real screen kiss was with Diane Baker <clears throat> but I did sing some songs one of them as you remember down like a hundred miles below the surface of the <laughs> earth in a shower it, with beautiful crystal stones all over the place and where the light was coming from nobody could say mm. down there but I was I was nude in a shower I mean you it was it was uh, not scandalous you, you could only see me from the waist up but I was obviously taking a shower in water coming from somewhere down there getting closer to the center of the earth uh, but that film saved 20th Century Fox from bankruptcy mm. that year when they were getting, going to go bankrupt from filming Cleopatra oh, with man. Richard Burton and, and uh, Elizabeth Taylor. And they, and they were so far over budget and Burton and Taylor would disappear to Spain for a few days, leaving 500 extras waiting in Italy for the next scene in the film. And the bankers were getting fed up with it. And an and a, uh, executive told me later, that your film, Journey to the Center of the Earth, coming out when it did and took off like a rocket, saved the studio from declaring temporary bankruptcy because of Cleopatra. Wow. And uh, so it was good for them and good for me. It's a, again, things coming together. And, you know, the yeah, they should. Yeah. It's Ben Willis talking with the legendary Pat Boone here on Hannah Radio. Stay tuned. We'll have more of the conversation coming up after 5 o'clock. And we've got a special edition of The Forgotten 45 coming up in just a few minutes. Stay tuned to Hannah Radio.